0: Good evening, church. What a blessing. Um, Wow. I have zero musical talent whatsoever. I enjoy singing. I'm not sure everyone around me does. (laughs) But I know the Lord does anytime we worship him. Um, Thank you, family. Just to see... Young people with all of those skills are, yeah, that blows my mind, all right? So uh, this evening, again, it's a blessing to be with you. My name is Matt Miles. I'm president of Creation Truth Foundation. Uh, We're centered out of Noble, Oklahoma, which is just south of Norman, which is near Oklahoma City, for those of you that have no clue anything about Oklahoma. Um, Middle, middle, middle of the state, okay? Um, We are a biblical worldview training ministry. Meaning, everywhere the Lord takes us, where we're invited to come, our challenge is to impact your worldview, to impact how you see things. To me, more than anything else, I want you to see and understand his word, the impactful nature of his word, his absolute truth, starting in Genesis. It doesn't start... When we feel like it gets going somewhere else outside of Genesis, it starts in Genesis. History started in Genesis. If you were here with me this morning, we began that idea as this week, our series is entitled The Bridge to a Biblical Worldview. So this morning, we started with this idea of beginning. That if, you'll turn with me to Genesis 1, if, if we think in our worldview, the set of beliefs we have, this idea of what we believe to be true, our worldview, if, if we don't have the understanding, and we claim Christ as our Savior, and we don't have the understanding that he did what he said he did in the first chapter, we might have a problem with other issues in the Bible. Like, it might lean towards other things that are not going to be good either. See, this issue of origins is really, really important. There are people that come to me all the time and it would say, well, but man, I don't know, isn't it just important that we understand that He he created us? Yes. I mean, can't we just leave the rest of, of everything to, to somebody else to think about? No. Because He... He gives us plainly in our, in our language where we can read it. He tells us what he did the first week of history. And it's up to us whether we trust that or not. He wrote it so that we would know what he did, how he made everything. So that when we do science, when we, when we observe, we test, we repeat, we falsify, when we actually do science, we find out, hey, you know what? It never has an issue with what he said he started. Way back 6,000 years ago. 6,000 years ago, that's it. For some, just that statement alone challenges worldviews. Because, see, we've been taught lots of other things in our life. We've seen lots of other things. We really, really like Jurassic World. Well, okay, some of us. Some of us like dinosaurs. If you know our ministry at all we usually carry with us a large collection of dinosaur fossils. It's kind of what sets us apart from maybe other ministries like Answers in Genesis or Institute for Creation Research or Creation Ministries International. We travel with a museum with us. We don't make you go to a museum, we bring it to you. It's kind of what the Lord started in Dr. Sharp a long, long time ago, over 30 plus years now. And so what we identify is, listen, this dinosaur thing... What we've been taught about dinosaurs, just that little issue there, at times, says this history can't be right. Just what we've heard about dinosaurs. So in the summer, when I, have, when I go to summer camps, church camps, and I get to do VBSs with students. Anybody remember those up here on the front row? Because you guys are all like old now, so you're like... <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. I remember you were weird and all. Okay, so... <clears throat> to understand how things around us, things we can observe, how the Word of God, being absolute truth, can deal with those issues. If we allow it. And if we allow it to speak for itself. For itself. So tonight, as we continue to bridge our worldview... So we step from creation tonight. We step, we step now into the R of bridge. Rebellion. We're going to step forward in history from the first week of history to possibly day eight. Oh. See, I get a question all the time. So, so Matt, tell me about like chapter three. When was that in history? You know what? We have no... We have no defining indicators in Scripture to state that it may have been day 8, day 10, day whatever. It sure looks as though it was very quick to me. What we didn't study this morning as we start into tonight, what we didn't study this morning was that on, on the sixth day, when he makes man and he makes woman, he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. What we do not see happening before... Chapter 4, which is outside of the garden, we have them not having kids. We are not indicated at all that they had kids being expelled with them out of the garden at the time of the fall. What we're going to study tonight. That very much suggests to me it was quick. They weren't there like 40 years to me. That would mean that they are not doing what God asked them and commanded them to do in perfection. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. That's problematic for my world view. Are we following? But sometimes we just don't think about those things. We just kind of go, well, I don't know. That happened, like, years or Not necessarily. Okay? So, tonight, as I begin, I I don't know if any of you have noticed that the world is kind of wacky. Have you? Anybody... I mean, I can ask the students up here. Mom and dad complain at all about anything going on in the world. Like, <laughs> 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 I think all of us in more recent years have just went, what is going on? Like, it's like we have totally checked our brains somewhere else. Like, I, I really, as a student... I cannot imagine seeing what is going on if we have a clue at all as a student. Focus. Focus on what's going on. (laughs) To then be looking to us as adults and going, you guys are, you're clueless. I've heard over and over again, and maybe you've heard it also if God is so good, how can He allow all these things happening? This this constant question of, man, the world is so bad. How can the Lord actually be in control of this? You know what? He's allowed us to deal with what's happened in chapter 3, since chapter 3. So tonight we're going to unpack what I mean by that. Okay? So turn with me as we get ready to get into chapter 3. I want us to review a couple things in chapter two. See, the reason the world is the way it is today is because sin is still here. Sin is still reigning. But before we get to that moment in history in chapter three, let's let's look very quickly at a couple things in chapter two. See, chapter two is not, it is not a separate creation account. That's top places. It's not how it actually reads. It actually reads like, and and what it's written like is, it's a separate Tola Dose statement. Everybody say Tola Dose with me. Oh. Tola Dose. It, it's a separate. I wasn't going to go there, but now I'm going there. Um, it, it's a separate section of the Hebrew. It's the next account. It's the next. It's the next record. And its record is from Adam's point of view. See, the first chapter, the first Toledo, the first chapter of Genesis, it it is, it is a record of the heavens and earth. We read that at the end of chapter, uh, excuse me, at the beginning of chapter 2 in verse 4. That's the end of the first Toledo. This is the records of the heavens and the earth. This is the generations. This is the, whatever your text says. Starting there in 4b is the next Toledoth. That next Toledoth is from Adam's point of view. Chapter 2 is creation from Adam's point of view. The Lord has just shared with him, listen, I'm making all this stuff before there were shrubs and before you were here. And then I put you here in this very special place called the garden. In this area called Eden. And look, look what he says here in verse, verse 15 of chapter 2. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from the, any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will... The, the Hebrew actually there is like this, if I was going to read it like it was written... For when you eat of it, you will surely die. It's very emphatic. Like to Adam at that moment, to man at that moment, on day six, he would have been unmistaken for him what was allowed and what was not allowed. It wouldn't have been like, I don't know if I got that part. He couldn't have said that. See, this is day six from Adam's point of view. He's just been created. He's been put in this special place. He's been told, you don't don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from all these other trees, especially this tree over here called the tree of life. Eat from it. And then look what it says in verse 18. Then God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. According to chapter one on day six, How many people were made on day six? Two. A man and a woman. So this is clearly day six. This is giving us from his point of view. This is like a magnifying glass on day six for a second. That's what chapter two is. Everybody following me? So he tells Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for you. And then the Lord has him name all of the animals. You see that? He doesn't, he, doesn't make, he doesn't make Eve the woman yet. He has him name all animals. He, has him, he shows him the entire creation, has him name the animals. What is he going to notice? He's going to notice that there are two of everything. There's a male and a female of everything. I, I have no doubt he's not noticing that. And while he's noticing that, he's going to notice there's nobody like... Me. If theistic evolution is true, that the Lord allows evolution to be how how he brought us about, wouldn't it make more sense for us to have a common ancestor with a primate at that moment right there? As Adam's looking out across the animal population, specifically the primates, couldn't couldn't the Lord have said, Hey, pick one of the primates, that's going to be your mate. It's not what he does. Because we're not part of the animal kingdom. We are not kinds like they are kinds. We are made in His image. When He's finished and there's still nobody, nobody like Him. You see that? There's nobody like Him. The Lord states again at the end of verse 20, but for Adam no suitable helper was found. It's almost as if He said, "Why well, you're naming everything, See if anything's good for you. No, there's nothing good for you. As special as all this creation is, nothing like you. There's no other image bearer. Then is when what happens? He puts Adam to sleep, and from his side he makes who? Woman. Like the church should be standing forward first saying that there is equality in the Lord's eyes between man and woman because you can see it right here. Now listen to me. It doesn't mean I agree that every every role and gift is the same for for each of us, male or female. Not biblical. But equality in the Lord's sight? Very biblical. Notice he takes something from the side. He doesn't take something from his head. So that she might be higher than him, or from his foot, that he might lord it over her, taken from his side. That shows equality. He was making a, perfect, a perfect helper, someone that, that's suitable for exactly what Adam needed. And marriage begins. By the Lord's hand, not because it felt right to them, not because that's what they thought was right or what a government said. It, it's, it's what the Lord said. He put them together. That has never changed throughout the biblical history. He puts us together. Yes, I have this ring that says that I'm married to my wife, but it's not this ring that's married, <laughs> that says I'm married. This is just a symbol of what the Lord has done in my wife and I's life. It's not the paper on the wall that says that I'm married to my wife. The Lord says I'm married to my wife. Because he brought us together. So, how we see all of these issues that we deal with today. They have a grounding and a foundation right here in Genesis. If we bother to study it. If our worldview is framed by it so students trust it trust it, it won't fail it won't fail it doesn't mean it's going to be easy to trust it i wish somebody would have said that to me when i was your age so we come to chapter 3 huh We begin with a serpent who is more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. What is his name? See, here's what I find. If I were to quiz you this evening, tell me a picture of what this looks like, this moment in history. Most of us would picture what kind of tree? Apple. Apple. What's hanging out of the apple tree? Snake. Snake. Who's got that picture? Who has seen a picture like that somewhere in your life? See, we we get these pictures embedded in our head, usually when we are itty-bitty kids, right? (laughs) Now, listen, I'm not passing this off on on a Sunday school teacher as being the problem. We all got the same problem. We, We picture things... And then we actually believe that our pictures are better than what's written in the Word of God. I was teaching on this one time and I will never forget. This lady comes in the next day and she's like, I was totally messed up by, by you sharing that that was not an apple tree last night. I totally thought that was an apple tree. I thought it said that in scripture. I'm like, mm, no. Because <laughs> every, all day long at work, I was asking everybody what the tree was, what the fruit was. Like, it messed up her worldview, like, the whole next day. Woo! I was excited, actually. Um, Somebody was listening. Somebody was listening. That's good. Um, I need you tonight to get past what you think the tree looked like. I, I need you to get past the idea that this is a snake hanging in an apple tree. The, the word serpent here is literally a hissing creature. That's all that means in the Hebrew. Could be a snake. I'm not arguing against a snake. I'm just saying it could just be anything hissing, which is most of reptilia. Dare I even suggest a dinosaur, maybe? See? But see, our worldview is like, well, that's too weird. I can't go. Okay, that's fine. Just hissing creature. Please, 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 I beg you tonight, get past the creature that Satan is embodying. Satan is who we're dealing with here. It is not just some slimy reptile. Reptiles have got a seriously bad rap. I'm not a reptile guy. They, listen, I think they've gotten a bad rap, and I think it goes back to this part of Scripture. Scripture. Right now, in churches in this nation and around the world, it's being taught that Satan is not an actual person entity. Ridiculous to me. That is so unbiblical. It's not even funny. Because he would he would want you to think of him like that, not being real. It's exactly what you, he would want you to think. Because then he's got you. If you don't think he's serious about what he, who, and who he is, then he's already got you. Here he, he takes on this form, this serpent, and begins speaking in perfect creation. Focus. In perfect creation. What does he say? What's the first words out of his mouth to the Lord's creation? Whoo. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Huh. Like the Lord already told them they can eat from all these trees, especially you need to eat from the tree of life, because if you eat from the tree of life, check chapter 2, you live what? Forever, it says. Right? You just don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, so immediately, he... he he impacts their lives for a second. He, he states this question. Did God really say? Please listen very closely to me. All deception from Satan starts here. Always and forever. Everything we can read throughout the rest of scripture, whenever Satan is involved, this is his, his baseline. He is challenging the word of God. I cannot be more serious about this. Just start rifling through things in your life times when 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 sin took over in your life those moments are moments in your life i would i would I will guarantee you every time is you not wanting to deal with the word of God, whether you knew it or not, whether you knew it or not it's Satan saying, did God really say you you can't look at everything on the internet? I mean, did, did God really say everything's bad? Like, did he, did he really say taxes aren't that important? Everything in our life. He's always out looking for a way to take us out. In perfect creation, he says to the woman, did God really say? Notice she answers him. She's speaking with an animal. She's speaking and carrying on a conversation with an animal. That tells me our our relationship with the animal kingdom in perfection was quite a bit different than it is today. Quite a bit different. It wasn't like Balaam and the donkey, when Balaam's like freaking out because the donkey's talking to him. She's carrying on a conversation with him. We, we, we may eat from from the trees in the garden, but God did say you, you must not eat uh, a fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or or you will die. She got most all that right. How many of us in here tonight would would classify ourselves as biblically literate, knowing the Word of God? See, here's what I find. In our churches today... We have lots of church-going folk, but biblically illiterate church-going folk. And I include myself in that for many, many years. We love the Word of God, but we actually don't know what it says. Like I can't tell you the times, even in the passages that I deal with week in and week out, when I began this ministry 17 years ago, when the Lord called me to this ministry, I sat down in my office the first year and I'm reading through the passages that I, that I teach on now all the time. And I'm sitting here going, there's no way that, that was actually in there like this whole time. <laughs> like, has that been in there my whole life? Like, how did I miss that? We have an idea of what the Word of God says. We don't know what it says. We have the, we have the idea that it's a great story, a group of stories, but historical accounts, yeah, maybe not with details. Yeah, that's where it gets tricky. Satan really likes us in the gray areas because he can do what he does with Eve right here. Oh, look what he does next after she answers him. <laughs> <clears throat> you will not surely die. Woo. Truth or lie? Lie. Total lie. Okay. But wait, wait. Listen to what he follows it with. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Truth or lie? True. True. That's a truth. That's a truth. You see what Satan just did there? He fed a a falsehood in there with a little truth. Make it sound a little better. He's trying trying to see, does this woman in perfection know who made her? Does 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 she know who made her, who walks in the garden with her every day? How much does she trust him? It's like feeling it out. I had somebody say something to me once. I said, hmm. Somebody brought up a point. Why didn't he go after Adam? He was going after Adam. He had been there long enough, enough hours to notice how much he loved her. That he realized if I can get her, I can get him. Mm. Fathers, Focus. Man, we need godly fathers in our homes that are on guard at all times for Satan. Because he's waiting. He's looking for the weakness. He's looking for the chink. At all times, he's looking for the chink. He sees it in Eve. Imperfection. In when we sit here and we think, man, if it was me, I, I, there was one thing I wasn't, uh, I wasn't supposed to do, I could have handled that. See, when we think that, yeah, he's got us already. He's got us. We are no different than these two right here, the first. We're no different. The the father of lies, Satan. See, every, every satanic attack in our life has always two things to it. He always attacks God's word, and he always attacks God's authority. Always, every time. Every sin in our life deals with one of these two things, if not both. Notice, he attacked God's word first, and then what is he just attacked by? You will not surely die. Who has the only authority over when we live and when we die? He does. He's either sovereign over all, or he's sovereign at all. None at all. See, we like to sometimes allow him to be over some parts of our life. Hello? Like, well, okay, this part over here, I, I don't know. Like, I can handle this one by myself. Lord, you just take care of this part, because I don't know how to handle this part, so you take care of that part. I'm, I got this one under control over here. So we like to do. Satan always attacks his word and the Lord's authority in our life. Isn't it interesting... If we get honest about about an evolutionary worldview, do you understand that the evolutionary worldview attacks those two things first and foremost? Did God really say that he made everything in six days? (laughs) By their kinds? Did did he really say he made us in his image and not that of a primate? Right? Right? what it says it's what that's it, what it's getting us to try to to rationalize away because if he if we can't trust his word on what he said and how he started everything then he's really not in control of our life he really doesn't have the authority we think he does and then we can do what we want to do and everybody should be okay with it survival of the fittest is all right When there isn't an authority figure with a baseline that's set, a standard, an absolute. Absolute. (laughs) See, these things are important to our worldview. So look what, back to the table, look look what the woman does. (laughs) When the woman saw that the fruit on the tree was good for food, she she looked at it and went... Well, it could feed me just like this fruit I eat. It's a fruit. It's fruit. That's fruit. That's fruit. That's fruit. That's fruit. That's fruit. That's fruit. Hmm. So it's good for food. It's pleasing to the eye. It doesn't look weird. All the time with students, young, young students of EBS, I all the time ask them, you know, like, you know, mom and dad tell you don't eat the cookie before dinner? How many of you have ever thought? She just doesn't understand. Mom doesn't understand that I could handle one cookie before dinner. Everything else will be okay. I'll, I'll be okay. That's doing what Eve is doing right here. It, well, it looks like good food, and, and it, it's pleasing to the eye. It doesn't look weird. It doesn't look rotten. It doesn't look like it'll hurt me. And then she says, It is also desirable for gaining wisdom. She's thinking, you know what? Maybe there's something that I need to know that the Lord is holding back from me. Please turn to 1 John chapter 2 right quick. Isn't it interesting when we look at the entirety of Scripture, we come across passages where they echo things. Almost as if somebody was in charge of writing the entire book. <laughs> see, I get the excuse all the time. We can't, you know, certain sections, we have to remember who was writing it and to who when. No, 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 no. He was writing it all. The Lord wrote it all. Through guys' hands. He, he guided their hand. That's how I see this. When it says God inspired it, breathed it, breath is life. You guys understand that? This book is life. So look what it says in 1 John chapter 2. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, so the things that we want, the things we desire, the things that might be good for us, the lust of his eyes, things that look good to us, appealing to us, and the boasting of what the man, he has and he does, his wisdom. Those three things are right here. This is what Eve is dealing with. Those are the same three things that Eve is dealing with in the garden. Look what it says. Comes not from the Father, but from the world. See, we, we are just as easily deceived. If we think we aren't, we are mistaken. Remember, she is in perfection. He got to her in perfection. Guess what? We're not in any longer. Yeah, we're not perfect. If You haven't figured that out yet. How's how's everybody's body as good as it was yesterday or last week? Jared's like going, well, don't even bring it up. We're not getting better, if you haven't noticed that. She took some and she ate it, it says in the text in chapter 3 she sees the fruit justifies it justifies it just like we do when we sin hello hello when we start going well it would have been totally different if i was in the garden Pfft, no no total lie okay like like thinking that we can't connect with these two right here the first two total lie She takes it, she eats it, and then what does it say next? Isn't this interesting right here? One of the most interesting parts of the entire passage to me. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Where was he? She's over here carrying on a conversation. He's standing right here. You know, for a long time, I would read this passage, and maybe it was taught, or I would teach it as this, you know, a nice story. And I, and I miss the details that are in there that, you know, I don't know how, somehow I picture, like, it's Eve talking with the serpent, the snake, hanging out of the apple tree, right? And then, uh, Adam's over taking care of something. He, he's tending something over here in the garden. No, 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 it says he's standing right there. He should have said no right there. He should have done what God asked him to do as the man of the house. Stepped in front of his wife and said, no, I'm protecting her because that was what I was charged to do. No, Satan, we're not listening to you. Go. Get. Not in my house. No, he's standing there allowing his wife to carry on this conversation. Hearing it all, and then when it's his turn to say no, what does he do? He takes it. Please understand this in Scripture is the first moment of idolatry. You know what Adam just did? He just put his wife's feelings of what, what she might think of him if he said no. Above the Lord God himself. That's what he did. When he took that fruit, that's what he's saying. He takes the fruit. He eats it. Hmm. <laughs> Immediately, their relationship changed. Do you understand that sin changes relationships? Sin impacts relationships. Not only our relationship with the one who gets to come walking in the garden here in just a moment, our very creator, but our relationships with each other get impacted. Sometimes not even directly, but indirectly. See, for us to think that the the world is in chaos just because it's in, no, it's because of sin. Sin impacts relationships. So we're, we're studying through this passage here. And, and then we see that their, their eyes were opened. And they realized they were naked. I will never forget this young girl, maybe pre-K, that said to me in a, in a VBS, Ooh, I know what that is. And, you know, my, my thought was, don't, don't call on her. Like, don't, don't, no, no, no. I said, okay, what is that? It's when you don't have panties on. Like, gosh, always, it's embedded in my head now. A four-year-old. You know, we do. We read this and we're like naked. Well, how did they not know that? They were perfect. And immediately, sin says, you are not. You're not. Now there's shame. Now there's guilt. Now our relationship is different. We see each other differently. And what do they immediately start doing? What do they start doing? What's the text say? They begin sewing fig leaves together to cover them. They immediately know they need to be covered. Oh, that's important. And what they did right there as they begin sowing fig leaves is the first, in Scripture, moment of a man-made religion. A man's idea of how to cover themselves. How to take care of their sin, their shame, their guilt. Well, we don't try to do that, do we, church? I can fix this. I can fix this sin. I I can take care of this myself. And the Lord's going, I'm right here. I'm the only one that's going to. He comes walking in the garden. Comes walking in the garden. Can you imagine? You know what? We can't until eternity. They had a relationship where they walked with their creator daily, it says. I cannot wait for that. The one who had just made them, maybe days earlier, comes walking in the garden, and what is their first reaction to him coming in the garden? <laughs> no different than any of us when we we're in the middle of sin do we want anything to do with anybody else when we're in the middle of sin no 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 Mm-mm. nope i'll just kind of I'll go over here and <laughs> they're hiding from the one who made him loves them more than anything else on the planet makes zero sense for them to go hide but it's exactly what every one of us do when we have sin in our life we want to hide from him cuz we know we know we know we have crud in our life that we can't take care of. I don't care how much we've tried. Yet He still comes. Yeah. He still comes in the garden. He comes seeking them out. You know how I know that? Because He says, Where are you? Where are you? He's seeking them out. Does He already know what's happened? <laughs> Have you ever tried to hide a sin from the Lord? You don't. Don't even try. Don't even try. They're hiding behind this bush. Look how how Adam answers. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. (laughs) The Lord knows where they are. Why is the Lord asking them, where are you? Why do we as parents ask our kids, when we know they've done something wrong, why do we ask them, have you done this wrong? What are we expecting them to tell us? The truth. We already know. They already know. They already know. Because <laughs> they did it too, most likely. Okay. <clears throat> he wanted them to repent right in front of him. That's why he asked the question, where are you? He knows where they are. He knows which bush they're behind. (laughs) Not like like they're they're hiding from him and he has no idea. Where are you? I don't see you. (laughs) He knows exactly where they are. He knows exactly what's going on. But Adam doesn't give the right answer. He doesn't doesn't get the answer that, that we should be giving to the creator of everything, to the only one that can save us. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Opportunity number two to tell the truth. Does he already know he ate the fruit? Yes. He's he's expecting them to fess up and repent and to be saved. So the man says in his great wisdom... The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. I picture a finger. Probably because I point a lot when I'm trying to get a point across to something. Who does he blame? The Lord. See, for a long time I thought he was blaming his wife. No, no, no. The woman you put here with me. Hello? Just give, if you get nothing else tonight, you should never blame the Lord for your sin. Like, yeah, that's not going to work. Didn't work 6,000 years ago, not going to work now. But we try, don't we? We do. There are ways we do that all the time. Lord, you put me in this family. I, I don't know any better. I don't know any different. All the above. All the excuses we have. Most excuses is us pointing to him going, it's really not my fault. He just waits for it. He takes it. And then he asks again, to the woman this time, what, what, what is this you've done? Look what, look, look what the Lord says to the woman. What is this you've done? Chance number three for him to fess up. Who is she pointing at? Who is she blaming for it not to be her fault? Well, the serpent, to hear it, it was his fault. We always want to blame somebody else or something else for our sin. That is what we do. And it started 6,000 years ago in a perfect garden. In Perfection. Again, if you think the Lord if you think Satan can't get to you, now. Whoo, please be careful with that. He got to him in perfection. <laughs> like that realization hit me one day sitting in my office and I went, "Oh Lord, please. Please seek continue to seek me out in my imperfection." So, what does the Lord do? What does he begin dealing with? He, he begins some curses. To see the, throughout scripture, we see that there are consequences to our sin. For, for, for Satan, he, he hands out all these curses. One of them is going to be verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Enmity, that is hatred. Now, ultimately, this is one of the first moments to speak of who Christ is going to be to Satan. Christ is going to be our victor. He will crush his head. One of the first prophecies, if not the first. But there's this hatred, this enmity word put in there. That, that very much is there are going to be those that that don't like the word of God and don't like it so much they hate you because you do. Have you experienced that in your life ever? And when you, when you share Bible verse with somebody, everybody's just like, oh, that is the best thing ever. <laughs> when you try to share a truth of God's word, And all you get is hatred in return. That's enmity. That's part of that curse right there. Guess what? I don't always get nice email. I know that may shock you. I don't always get nice email. We do not always get nice voicemails on our telephone system at work. There are people that hate us. Hate me because I love the word of God and I know it's true. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to stop teaching or preaching it because it's the only way for life. It's the only way. So I pray for those that hate me. Pray for him. I pray for Bill Nye all the time. I don't have any clue if he hates me or not, but he doesn't like me. Because of what I believe. And then I try, to, I try to impact youth. I try to impact students all the time. He doesn't like that. There's this enmity. There's this hatred. He, he comes to the woman. And, and to the woman he says, you're, 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 I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to your children. To, my understanding is that curse is still active today. Moms? <laughs> There's pain in childbirth. And you know what? It's not just physically giving birth. It's when we lose that child that the Lord is knit together. There's pain. It does not always work out the way we have it planned but who's there waiting for us who should we always look to for comfort the comforter even in the midst of even in the midst of what's going on here in the midst of here this is going to happen from now on in creation this is what's going to happen this is part of the curse this is what comes with sin things are not going to work perfectly like i designed them to do perfectly doesn't mean i'm not here with you doesn't mean I'm not going to walk through it with you but you need to understand there's consequences to sin they're going to impact everything your husband your relationship with your husband is going to be different how many of you uh, uh, well maybe I'm I'm speaking out of turn everybody's marriage in here is just fabulous like all the time No, never a disagreement never a discussion discussion our house is a discussion <laughs> Mom, dad, why are you fighting? We're not. We're discussing. <laughs> Boldly. In, in that one little little phrase there, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. I see that we will not understand our God-given roles within the household and that's going to cause a problem. I see that in that verse. The giftedness of the Lord is given to each one of us. Then, then he, he turns to Adam. Because you listened to your wife. AKA you put her before me. And you ate from the tree which with which I <laughs> I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Notice, he curses the ground. And creation first. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. He curses the entirety of creation in the ground first and then says to man, now you're going to have to sweat and toil for your, for your food. It's not going to be just as easy as just going over here and picking it. Is farming hard? Hello? I have about that much understanding of, of what you guys do, some of you. But I know enough to know it is not easy. It's toil. It's long days. It's sweat. It's blood. All of those things. Every time we experience those things, we should remember that it's part of the curse. It's not how the Lord originally designed it. But it's here because sin is here. Period. Period. Like, like my outlook on how, everything, my, my bloodied knuckle the other night, as I'm working to, to try to finish a cabinet for my wife, I bloodied my knuckle, and my first thought was, oh, I really don't like the curse. See, my worldview has been impacted by the Word of God. My worldview has been impacted by the Word of God. Man, aren't you over spiritualizing? He cursed all of creation, the things that are not perfect, things that cause us pain. That is part of the curse. How do I know that? Don't miss Wednesday night. <laughs> Wednesday night. Pain is part of the curse. And so is death. Did you catch that last part? <clears throat> Until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. See, up till this moment right here in history, whatever day this is in history, up till that moment, there was zero death of living creatures. Wait, what, were the, what was the phrase this morning that I gave to you for what a living creature is? What's the Hebrew words? Who remembers it? Kaye Nefesh. Kaye Nefesh creatures. Day five, day six life was Kaye Nefesh creatures. There is zero death of those creatures in the Word of God until this moment. Until this moment. No death of There was nothing going extinct. Because we hadn't been here millions of years. There, there was nothing. Eating and devouring something else in carnivory. Chapter 1 in day 6 is very clear. He gave all of those plants with the seeds and the fruits already. (laughs) He he gave that as our food source. The plants were our food source. Animals were not a food source. For other animals even. All the beasts of the field ate plants. T-Rexes ate plants. What? I love saying that when I have like third and fourth graders, like a lot of them. Because generally, little young gentlemen, third and fourth grade, when I say T Rex ate plants, they like, What? No! No, they were meat eaters! Not when they were perfect. They ate those prize winning pumpkins at the state fair every year. Huh? Every year, Kansas State Fair. You know this. I've shared this with you before. I look forward to that prize-winning pumpkin. Last year, Kansas State Fair, 1,280 pounds. I thought that was huge until I got to Dolly World on vacation. Like a week or two later, Dollywood. Prize-winning pumpkin at Dollywood this year, 1,950-some pounds. I'm just picturing her T-Rex, like... yeah we'll we'll keep working on that little worldview issue. no death of blood containing living creatures of which we are one, no death before sin. I cannot tell you how big that statement is tonight for you if we try if we try to To say the history in this book is not what it is of 6,000 years. Or that we've been here longer than that. The thing we never deal with well when we go beyond the, the age of what this book says that we've lived here. We don't deal with death well. Actually, you can't deal with it well. Because there's zero death in this book right here. Up to this point in history. And then you want to see it when it happens? Look at verse 21. The first Fesh creature to die in history was at the hand of the Lord. Look what it says in verse 21. Everybody get there. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he what? Clothed them. He covered them. Right here in the garden he has taken an innocent animal. Has that animal done anything wrong? Did the animal cause the sin that was going on? No, he took an innocent life and he shed the blood of an innocent life to cover their sin. Remember what he said. Listen, if you eat of it, you're going to surely die. I mean, like he was he was in, he, he was fully in his rights to just like, Done. You're done. Let's try this again. Human 2.0. Like, that didn't work out so well. He could have done that. But he made you with redeemable value. He made you with redeemable value. He provided a way. He provided a way that we can approach Him. When He seeks us out, we can approach Him. He made a way. Here, here in the garden is, I had a gentleman come up to me one time, and I, I've always shared this, usually share this, come up to me and try to, try to argue with me that is when we physically got our physical skin, was that moment in history. And I went, Okay, hang on. Let me make sure I'm getting you right. So prior to this moment, for however many days we were around at that moment, we didn't have any skin and all of a sudden he gave us a skin? Like our skin? Yeah, that's what I'm kinda I'm like, okay, no, I'm not gonna ride with you there, sorry. And yeah, we weren't running around like muscly with without <laughs> skin. I don't know. <laughs> <Ugh>. Okay, so that's <laughs> not what he's going after here. That's not what's many have suggested lambs were used at that moment in history. I'm okay with that. It doesn't say it, but I'm okay with it. it. seems more than plausible to me. To take the skins, to make garments of covering, to cover their sin. He shed blood. The cross began right here in the beginning. Right here in the beginning. It didn't just start 2,000 years ago. It started 6,000 years ago. When sin entered the world... There was a way made. He was ready to redeem us from that moment on. Let's see if we miss what the third chapter says. We might miss that. We might actually miss this. Because this is where I believe he shows it to us first. Woo. Does that excite you? I mean, he showed us grace. He could have wiped us right there and started all over. He didn't. He showed us, listen, I'm the only one. You can try all you want in whatever religious manner you want to try to fix yourself. It doesn't work. I am the only way. I'm the only way. You've got to look to me. I'm the only one that can take care of your crud. I am bigger than your crud. I'm bigger than your sin. Quit trying to hide it from me. Give it to me. That's what I believe He tells each and every one of us. Every day. Bring it to me. It's gone when you bring it to me, but you've got to bring it to me. You've got to acknowledge that I can be the one to take care of it. How do I know that? Let's close tonight. Romans, chapter 5, please. In case you think T-Rex brought death into the world, "Eh," wrong answer. In case you think an asteroid brought death into the world, "Eh," wrong answer. Look at verse 12, chapter 5. Therefore, since excuse me, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, notice it does not say death through extinction, death through advancement of survival of the fittest, death through sin, and in that in this way, death came to all men because how many of us have sinned? There's not one of us that can sit here tonight and go, wait, well, sin's not real. It's like I don't know. You just lied, so welcome to the club. Tell <laughs> me. But the previous verses in verse 6. Don't miss verse 6. Check this out. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when we were powerless, Christ died. For the ungodly. See, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were in the middle of our crud, he was taking care of it. He died for everybody, whether you accept him or not. Chapter 6 says it's a gift. It's a gift we have to receive. He doesn't force it on any of us. He doesn't force it on any of us. He waits for us to receive the gift of eternal life. Tonight in this place, have you received that? As we've studied this rebellion thing, this fall thing tonight, Is there sin in your life you have not brought to him? He's seeking you out for it. You know he is. That's that nagging voice. The Spirit continues to nag you. Just bring it to me. Let me take care of the guilt, the shame. Get rid of it. I am big enough. I know you. You can't hide it from me. I made you. He wants your worldview impacted. To do that, we have got to give up our sin. If we don't allow him to work in our life, there's no way our worldview is going to be impacted. There's not. Because that means there's something there that's keeping him back. That we've said to him, no, you can't have this. That's affecting our worldviews. It's affecting how we see Scripture, how we read Scripture, how we interact with our friends, how we interact in the church. It does. It does. Give it up tonight. Seek him tonight. Seek the only one that can save you. His name is Jesus. Pray with me, Lord, I praise you tonight for who you are. Lord, not just who you you are 2,000 years ago, but Lord, who you were from the very beginning, our Creator And Lord, our Creator that that walked with us in, in perfection, who saw and knew what we did in perfection. Lord, we are no different tonight. We still sin just like grandma and grandpa, Adam and Eve. Lord, I pray tonight in this place, Lord, I pray that you move. Lord, I pray your spirit shake us. As I prayed this morning, Lord, as you've had it on my heart, Lord, allow us to be moved by you, moved to acknowledge who you are in our life, and that tonight you are the only one that takes care of sin. Lord, we can blame it 6,000 years ago, but Lord, it's no different right now in this moment. Lord, we've tried to do things. We try to do things all the time to take care of our sin ourselves. Lord, you're waiting for us. You're seeking us out. You are after us to say, just take this from me. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Lord, help me because I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm out of line. I have sinned. Lord, you're the only one that can fix it. Lord, tonight in this place, I, I pray that you move on that. Lord, I know you've been working on those in this room. Lord, I pray we don't waste our another moment trying to think that we can get away from you or, or shy away from you or keep it from you, Lord, tonight, now, Lord. I pray that you move. In Jesus' name, amen.